Welcome to The Tech That Connects Us, a podcast dedicated to the stories of leaders in the technology industries that bring us closer together, specifically content and media, satellite and news space, connectivity and cybersecurity. Your hosts are me, John Clifton, Laurie Scott and Will Trenchard, the founders of Nuco, a specialist global recruitment and executive search firm focused on these exact industries. We love being a part of them and we're excited to share these stories with you. Welcome to the Tech That Connects Us today. Your host is myself, Laurie Scott, alongside here, Tom Wilding, who sits alongside me within Nuco. And we're delighted to be joined by John Kinney. John Kinney is the VP of Quality Assurance for IntelSat. John's got an impressive background with over 20 years plus with companies like Motorola, Rockwell, BlackBerry, Honeywell, GoGo, obviously now part of IntelSat. So John's experience is in software, hardware, and the service environment, working across five different industries, which gives him a, a very unique perspective of business optimization, quality, and customer experience. John, welcome to the show. Great to have you on board today. Hey, great to be here. Thank you. Looking forward to it. So, John, what, what we'd like to do right at the beginning is, is to get the story started. So, as I've just mentioned, you've made a transition across a number of different industries. So, talk us through how and why you ended up to where you are today. Well, I guess uh, you have to start in the beginning. <laughs> so, uh, you know, how did I even get into tech in the first place? And, you know, everyone, we all have our, our stories and our twists and turns. And, and I don't think mine's any different. But, you know, a common theme I've uh, experienced is, you know, back when I was growing up, everyone thought, well, you're good at math and you're good at solving problems. Why don't you get into technology? And certainly that was the case for me. Um, but that yeah. wasn't the only thing I was good at. Um, I was also good at, uh, I was a musician starting out and, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell, the 10,000 hours, you know, to master something, you know, yeah. I was trying to put in my 10,000 hours playing the trumpet. Uh, I love music and I hear that, you know, those musicians are very good at math and, and so there's certainly a relationship there. Um, so I pursued both tracks, you know, I enriched my math and science skills. Yeah. Um, but I also played the, played the horn and uh, actually up to two years in college, I had a music scholarship. I got paid to play it on weekends, um, but I continued studying my pre-engineering coursework, you know, so, you know, I took the Calc 1, 2, 3, differential, all that stuff, you know, it's like a hedge. Yeah. Um, but looking back, I, I think what pushed me into tech was, uh, you know, came down to the f earnings potential, um, but also the problem solving aspect, you know, even to this day, I, I still fix stuff at home and, uh, and I love to do that. So, um, but I started out, uh, you know, software engineer, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. And uh, started out of Motorola, love Motorola, put 25 years at Motorola. Um, wow. Yep. But, uh, things happen, circumstances happen, and I had the fortunate opportunity to move on. And, and I've, I've been in many different industries, and I've learned a lot, and, and I carried a lot of, a lot of learnings with me as, as I went to other companies. Fantastic. And I mean, I've got to ask, are you still playing the trumpet? Are you still in the group? Or wh where was you playing? Like in bars and, and restaurants? And uh... <laughs> God, that would have been so neat to be able to do that. Um, I got an interesting story too. This is, you know, we all have moments of truth, right? And there's a fork in the road, you know, and some comedian says, well, pick up the fork if you ever see one, you know, but actually I had a fork in the road and I was, I was co-oping at IBM starting, you know, before I graduated from college, I'm down in Florida. And I go to a nightclub and, um, and I, I bump into some, a sax player and uh, his name is Chris. And he, 
he, I see him after he's done going doing his, you know, his gig and he goes, Hey John, what are you doing? I go, Oh, you know, engineer and working at IBM. He goes, Hey, we need a trumpet player. You know, so-and-so just left and you want to go play You want to go join us? And I got to tell you, I froze and I was like, I said, no, I can't. I can't, Chris. You know, I've, I've, I've made my decision here. And I look back at that. Mo- that was a moment of truth for me. And um, oh, yeah. I don't regret it. Um, but to answer, ask you, I don't play that much now. I mean, yeah. you know, my, my kids were growing up. They started playing some instruments and I pull it out occasionally. I'm not that good anymore. It's you. You lose it. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, you, you lose the range is when you lose the most. Right. But, uh, you know, you never know. I might go. Well, I was going to say, practice makes perfect. So um, still can come, come out of retirement and maybe during <laughs> lockdown, you thought you would have been having a bit, a bit of practice and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. This is what I love about this podcast is unearthing <laughs> these stories that you would never sort of under, uh, know about you, maybe in, unless close people to you. So uh, fantastic. Well, I'm going to hand you over to Tom now because we're going to talk about the past and continue that. So uh, Tom, beat that. Goodness gracious, throwing me in it there. John, very good to meet you. Nice to meet you. So I'm going to discuss everything that's got you up until this point, everything in the past. And I think, firstly, I'm really interested to know, you spent the bulk of your career working in the cellular mobile space with mobile devices before moving into, uh, you know, the satellite industry where you are now. What do you think the satellite industry can take from that mobile device space where you spent so much of your career? Ah, that's a great question. And, and there certainly is some parallels there. Um, and they're very similar, actually. You just, the, the networks are networks, right? And, and you're sending bits and bytes, you know, over, over different media. So um, I think what, what can be, ta- what you can learn from the cellular industry is, is, Focusing on the customer experience. So start with the customer, start with how the customer wants to use it or if there's issues they have and work your way back, work your way back to the network, work your way through the supply chain, but stay focused on that customer experience. And so, um, as you mentioned earlier, I, I worked for Motorola, worked for Motorola a long time. And, um, and then I went, and, like many of us from Motorola, we went, went to BlackBerry. So I'm still in the cellular industry. And, um, and I had a front row seat watching Apple. Remember they launched that iPhone? Uh, I don't know if you yeah. remember the year, 2007. I'll still remember it, 2007. <laughs> and, um, and they came out. And, um, and when they first launched, that iPhone was pretty crummy. I mean, it was, I mean, from a reliability perspective. I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, they were definitely, at the, you, know, you know, with applications and stuff, it was kind of neat. You were very curious. Mm. Uh, but they were the, when they first launched, they were the worst performing phone, phone in the industry. And uh, they had a, you know, they had exclusive partnership with AT&T. So AT&T was smart and they realized, well, I'm going to have exclusivity to this. And, um, but Apple changed the rules of the game. And this is their focus on the customer experience. So they knew when they launched, it wasn't going to be the best. Yeah. That wasn't the, the end isn't the beginning, right? Yeah. We remember the end. And, uh, and so they went from worse to best within two years from a reliability perspective. And they did that by just learning, learning, learning. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they changed the rules of the game with, with, uh, in, that, in the industry back then. So typically, it was always a case, the, the carriers kind of owned the customer experience. And when you had a problem with your phone, you have to break it back to an AT&T or Verizon or you know, whoever, or Orange, whoever the carrier yeah. is. 
Yeah. And then they would send it back to the OEM. So you have this middle person in, you know, in the loop here. Apple. No, I don't want the middle person. So everything went back to Apple. They they bypassed AT&T and they did that intentionally. It's uh they wanted to learn. They they figured I don't want to I want it unfiltered. I want to want to figure out what's going on and you go go fix it fast. And they did that. So I learned a lot watching Apple um, just dominate. They are they are a formidable opponent. Yeah, because I, I remember I was going to say I remember at the time because because it was when wasn't it research in motion they were quite big and then obviously BlackBerry and for yeah. one or two years it it yeah. was it was them for over the Apple and then sort of overnight it sort of changed and um, yeah lot, lots of sort yeah. of moved on from then. Yeah, the, the rest is history, right? But it was uh, it was probably more than a couple of years. I think Rim. Blackberry, they did, you know, it's probably about a four or five year of dominance. Yeah. It was a yeah. different space back then, but it was just a matter of time before Apple just took that over, you know, and that's that space was that whole push email, right? Yeah. And typing yeah. on a keyboard kind of thing. And um, and it was great. I mean, uh, it was a, it was a fun time of my career, too, is, is going over there. Um, we had fun, um, but you could see Apple just coming. You just could see it. And uh, and they're just yeah. so good at it. They are just so focused on that. Freight train. What cell phone do you have now? <laughs> I have an iPhone. <laughs> and I love my iPhone. <laughs> well, there's parts of it I don't love. It, 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 is, it is really, a, it's, a, it's a great phone. Um, and I'm not plugging for Apple, okay? So, uh, but uh, I do have an iPhone. Add to us. Same yeah. here, same here. Okay. Um, <laughs> Who has been the biggest influence in your career to date, John? Wow, uh, interesting question. You know, it's hard to pinpoint just one thing or per one person. Um, I, I think curiosity and not afraid to fail are the traits that I've kind of always had, and those kind of opened up opportunities in my career and probably have influenced me the most. You know, it's those those beliefs, those shared beliefs. I think that it's allowed me to explore new industries, try new stretch roles, continue to grow with all, you know, these new life experiences, bringing my past along for the ride. So, you know, I, in, in my career, I had really three phases in my career. And I remember a mentor back in my early years using analogies like this. He goes, you know, stool cannot stand on one leg or even two legs. It requires at least three legs to stand on its own. And I still remembered that. And he says, so consider your work experience as legs on a stool. And during your career, develop skills in at least three different areas. So that's what I did. You know, so the first stool leg was, you know, in product design, engine, you know, development. Um, and then I moved on to uh, taking product management, marketing roles. Um, and then my third leg is where I'm at right now in the world of quality. And, and I actually find that the most rewarding. You know, it's mm. a world of continuous improvement. It's needed everywhere. In the end, you're really solving problems, which remember, I love that when I was little yeah. Johnny, you know, growing up. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's great. And, and it's really all about that customer experience, making it outstanding. And, you know, you look across all the industries and which companies are the leaders in those industries. And those leaders are those that make the customer experience the best hands down. Apple does yeah. it, Amazon, you know, we can all come up with our list, but you know, it really is that. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. And then in terms of your, uh, your past achievements, is there one crowning glory that is an achievement that you are most proud of? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Other than appearing on this podcast. 
You know, I guess it, it depends on how old I was to answer that question. You know, you know, when, when you're younger, you, you, you look at, you know, this is what I've done, you know. And I think now, you know, I look at the, the people that, that I've led and have worked for me and, and seeing them grow. Um, I think those are, those are what's really, I look back as really the most rewarding. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that, you know. So it's, it's those future leaders making them, you know, making them great leaders. And I've got a number of people, I'm not going to give their names here, but um, that I, I find the most rewarding. And, um, you know, as a parent, you know, and you have kids and stuff, it's kind of weird how you pivot from, from, me to them and it kind of i've carried that over into my my, my work life as well amazing I, I bet there are a few names who would thank you greatly um i'm <laughs> sure of it brilliant well you know that's you up until now up until this point so i'm going to pass you back over to laurie to discuss the present yeah thanks tom so so john um well fascinated really and even to talk about where you are right now so obviously Intelsat you've got the acquisition of, of GoGo's commercial aviation group um, which obviously now means that one of the the leading providers when it comes to in-flight broadband connectivity for commercial aviation um, obviously with COVID huge impact on the aviation industry desperate to get back on a plane but that's a different conversation but um, obviously for you it's all about the customer experience but, but how do you sort of see the current state of play and obviously with the acquisition and all about the quality and the customer experience. How do you see that going forward? Yeah. So uh, God, you know, connectivity is not changing. I mean, there's such a, there's such a demand, you know, that about connecting everyone, everything, no matter where you're at, that hasn't changed. Even with COVID, we just, just couldn't get on planes or we couldn't, you know, couldn't get on boats and all that. So you know, people still want to, you know, when they're sitting in their living room, let's say with your iPhone, you want to be able to use it wherever you're at. Yeah. So connectivity. I, I think there's, you're going to see demand for that just increase even more. And, and with demand, you need the networks and the infrastructure to support that. Mm. And Intelsat clearly is in a, in a great position there and, and bringing CA into the Intelsat uh, fold has exposed you know, Intelsat to that end user, that end customer experience on airplanes. And uh, we're both learning a lot there and, um, and trying to remove those barriers so that we can, you know, get to that outstanding customer experience when you're sitting on a plane or, you know, sitting on a boat or wherever. And, uh, and so I think uh, uh, the future is going to be very great uh, around this. Yeah. Yep. And there's such a huge demand. I mean, I, I, I must say, when you used to get on a plane, it was great. Turn your phone off, put it in airplane mode, especially going over to the US, switch off, watch a few films, few drinks, and just relax. But now you have to work. You've got connectivity everywhere. I was, right. I'll never forget, I, was, I think I was going from Washington to Vegas, and the Ryder Cup was on, and um, just about to board the plane. And it was the final day. It was the last couple of hours. And uh, I'll never forget the time. I was like, okay, I can't. I haven't got my phone. You can't stream anything. But I remember using sort of GoGo, paying the the fee, whatever it was, and just getting the, the the social media feeds of what was going on. But obviously, that's now changing. You can maybe stream and stream live events. And um, yeah, there's no rest for the wicked. So um, obviously, with Intelsat and now that they've gone through the acquisition, like you said, it now allows them more access, newer technology, the global mobility. There's obviously there's so much offering and coverage. Um, so there's there's a number of opportunities out there. So what excites you when it comes to 
comes to this 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 new new movement? Yeah, well, it's. I think what excites me it's it's kind of like taking um, maybe twenty years ago in technology and and being able to do things to now expanding that to places that you couldn't do before, and so it's similar. I mean, there's you know the customer experience is a customer experience, and yeah. uh, and those that that really figure that out and remove those barriers um, so that the, you know, the customer can do the things that they want to do. Um, I think that's Those are going to be the winners. And, and there's, it's such a, such a huge demand. You're, it's not just one person, one company is going to be the dominant winner. It's, there's going to be multiple companies partnering and building this ecosystem that, you know, allows all con- customers and consumers to, 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 to do these great things. Um, so I think that's uh, that, that's what we have in front of us. Yeah, yep. And as we know, I mean, during the last 18, 19 months, demand's there. Everybody wants to be connected. If anything, it's if you look at the the Netflix and the the, the Disney's and obviously Apple and obviously hopefully when we get back to some kind of normality in traveling again, that's not going away. And you need to need to provide that demand for the customers. You're you're right. And uh, I want to go back to your Ryder Cup uh, comment because I'm a big golf fan, right? And and you know, Ryder Cup's coming in September, right? And so it's going to be different this year. This yep. time, right? uh, yep. I know you're not rooting for that, but anyway, I was I was on a plane during the Ryder Cup year you talk about and watched it. It was, you know, I was stuck on the other side of the world and I got rerouted through Dubai and 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 I'm like, oh, I don't want to go on this plane for this one. And then I get on and they had Ryder Cup on. And it was like eight hours of Ryder Cup. I mean, which I wouldn't normally do, right? Because, but I'm yeah. a captive, you know, passenger. So it was the best flight I've ever had. I watched Ryder <laughs> Cup the entire time. And, um, and so just think of others that there's things that they are just dying to watch. Yeah. They don't normally, in their normal lives, you're busy doing other things. But here you are, an opportunity to sit there and watch exactly what you want. So IFC, I mean, you know, an airplane, it can't be, I mean, it, and then there's some airlines that won't fly planes unless they have IFC. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's that important. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, I never get this was obviously a, a, a sort of chartered flight. I was so desperate for it, for it to be delayed so that I could watch it in the bar exactly. before in the terminal. But um, yeah, yeah, I took golf all day. I was very yeah. fortunate. I went to the last Ryder Cup in, in Paris and um, yeah, that, that was that was an that was an experience that was unbelievable but obviously it's coming and there's going to be um yeah i think Whistling, you guys are looking Whistling very Straits. strong right now yeah. back there Whistling streets yeah. was a tough golf course right out yeah. of michigan wind's yeah. going to be blowing although you guys like wind we'll be watching we'll be watching excellent right we better move on so i'm talking golf i could talk all day <laughs> um so let's i'm going to hand you over now to tom to sort of talk more about the sort of the future and um yeah tom over to you brilliant I think when you're in the technology space, future uh, takes up all thought and conversation. Yeah, it feels very futuristic. Most things that you're involved with, I'm sure of it. Um, But talking about the product and quality space, there have been lots of changes in the way things have been done uh, over the past 20 years. What big changes do you anticipate happening in the product management, product development and quality spaces in the next five years? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Well, here's where technology can actually help us, right? And it's all about, um, it's connectivity. And it's getting information real time 
and then and then being able to act on that information, right? So all these, you know, the aircrafts that are flying around, they've got tons of data on them. And getting that data back to where it can be analyzed and then decisions made, um, you know, whether through predictive data analytics, it's something maybe is on the verge of, of needing to be repaired or replaced or, but that information and being able to act on it, I think that's going to be the game changer over the next, or certainly the next five years. And, um, and so the, uh, so the, so the satellite space is really ripe for that, right? That's the only way you can connect to an aircraft is, you know, yeah. through, so, or the ground, but I mean, it's still over the air. Mm. And, um, and so that's, um, it's going to play a big role and, uh, and really in a lot of applications um, and, and, and that ability to move, move large amounts of data quickly and being able to act on it, I think will, will definitely uh, improve all of our lives. Definitely. It feels like uh, aviation connectivity is sort of the final frontier for connectivity. You know, most other areas of connectivity tend to have a fairly good service, and that is only in improving in the aviation space. In terms of Intelsat and the commercial aviation group specifically, what do you anticipate uh, being the exciting things that are going to happen for that group over the next five years? Well, I mean, there's, uh, there's still a lot of planes that haven't been connected yet. Right, <laughs> so we want to connect them all, and um, and there's there's certainly you know plans in place over over time to to do that to to bring you know bring connectivity to all airplanes that are flying. So um, that's exciting. I think there's a, a huge demand, um, you know, certainly from passengers that creates the pull, and then the you know the the carriers, you know, and the um, and the OEMs. Um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly enable that um, because, you know, certainly customers are, they want it. They're willing to pay for it in some way. There's a lot, you see lots of different models on how, how, how it's paid for. Um, but uh, uh, I think that's, that's what the future is bright about. And it, and it's, so, and from an Intelsat perspective, as I'm learning, it's not just about the aircraft either. There's, you know, there's other places that need connectivity, you know, yeah. you know, there's maritime, there's, you know, certainly on the ground, mobility on the ground. So um, um, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it almost seems endless on, on, on the applications. Brilliant. Okay. And on the flip side of that, what big challenges do you think the aviation connectivity space could come across in the next five years? Oh, what big challenges? Oh, well, I think, you know, you're, you're always dealing with, um, some uncertainty, you know, certainly, you know, weather is always a challenge for us. So no matter how, how you know, you, you look at availability and, and there's only, you know, you can't get to hundred percent, you know, so trying to push that as, as high as you can, um, you know, making sure that uh, it, uh, you have that availability when, when you need it. Um, I think, um, I think the other big challenge is, you know, there's certainly going to be different networks out there. Um, and so interoperability, I think, being it, I don't know if you remember back, and I'm going to go back to my cell phone days, right? So, you know, GSM was out, CDMA was out, right? You had these different networks mm -hmm. and it wasn't like one was better than the other. I mean, they had advantages and disadvantages, but they learned how to play together, right? Remember you had, you'd roam, you'd jump on a, you know, you, you, you had a CDMA device and then you could jump on a GSM as you went overseas. And yeah. so I think you're going to see that. You're going to see more partnering, um, uh, across the ecosystem, whether, you know, certainly whether network providers, but, you know, even with, you know, 
you know, the mobile network operators, you're going to see it with, you know, OEM. So I think you're going to see a world where there's more, more partnering going on mm -hmm. and maybe some more standardization yeah. will help. Um, but I think mm -hmm. those are the challenges, right? You know, some, you know, you want people to be able to, if I, so I'm putting my customer experience hat on. It doesn't matter what my phone under the hood is, what kind of technology it is. I want it to work. Yeah. And I'm willing to pay for that. Yeah. So. Uh, it's interesting you say that, you know, we come away or came away from conferences when we could attend them. And I think collaboration between businesses and partnering was probably the biggest hottest topic of conversation you know so it's it's interesting you say that it's uh yeah definitely going to see more of them um interestingly and specifically to that mobile network operator market i'm sure there'll be more more big collaborations announced soon yes. um wonderful so that is you know that's past present future we're now going to jump on to a really important topic uh one that laurie's going to lead on and that is diversity keen to hear your thoughts on it yeah. Yep. Thanks, Tom. So, um, well, I know, obviously, we, we partnered with Intelsat for a number of years, and I know diversity is something that they sort of pride themselves on, and there's some great initiatives in place when it comes to diversity. Um, very keen to sort of get your your take on on diversity. And, John, given the, the, the industries that you've been in and the experience you've had, um, you must have seen so many changes during your time. So, uh, yeah, over to you, really, on your take on diversity. Oh, it's such a <laughs> such a broad topic, right? Where it do is. we go? Yeah, where do we start? <laughs> well, I mean, it's certainly relevant uh, now. And, and, you know, it's not something that hasn't been discussed over decades, really. But it yeah. is more, more talked about now, which is a good thing, right? So, I mean, I'll first start with the view that Intelsat has, right? And, and most of the companies are certainly have some form of diversity and inclusion as, as part of their strategic operation. So, you know, I think the debate's over on, on, on the benefits of it. So I won't even go there. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly Intelsat's a diversity-focused employer. They're, you know, they're always looking to attract and uh, talent through lots of different media. So I think that's what's kind of changing now. Social media, there's partnerships, staffing agencies, you know, targeted each outreach, et cetera. I mean, it's this, this intentional effort, right, is to, um, to become more diverse, you know. Yeah. So, you know, certainly in the hiring process, candidates will go through, you know, you know, diversity and inclusion council uh, mm -hmm. selection committee, right? So there's things that are doing done differently now than hasn't really done, been done in the past. Um, but I'll move on to my view, right? I think that's where you want to go. And so, uh, so I'm going to look at it like a quality professional would look at it. And so I would start with, you know, you know, you, you got to dissect the problem. And, and yeah. the first thing you do with a problem is you got to focus on understanding the true root cause and not just the symptoms. Yeah. So this is a fundamental building block of problem solving. And so, you know, one of the symptoms companies are experiencing now are the ratios of diversity in their workforce is not where they like it. And yeah. So why is that? Um, you know, so I believe, you know, there's a pipeline deficiency that dates back to when, you know, when kids are young, is attracting, encouraging, enabling, you know, yeah. a more diverse student body that wants to get into the STEM field. You know, so remember, I, I saw, I don't know if you've, have you heard of Dean Kamen? The found, he was the founder of Segway. Remember those little, that little stand-up scooter, you know, gyroscope, you know, it's a balancing thing. Yeah. Did, did, didn't he, didn't he, um, unfortunately, didn't he die by going off a cliff and stuff on the Segway? I don't know if that's true. I don't oh, believe that's true. I'm that's not sure. True. It might be, a, a, might be an old that's wife. That's not Dean Kamen. No, I, nah. no, I, 
Unless it just happened yesterday, no. No, 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 this is going anyway, back a couple of years. But Dean's yeah. a great guy, and, and I've actually been fortunate, this is going back decades ago, listening to him speak, he's very, he's very inspirational. And um, and so he he actually has been working on this problem for 20 years at least. And so, you know, he he knows there's a deficiency in, in STEM, you know, with diversity. And yeah. so he started this program, and I'm gonna encourage you to kind of Google this, but okay, yeah. First, it's called FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, First Technology. And um, and it's a program for the youth, and it's it's basically it's worldwide. It's basically getting kids hooked in the math sciences, you know, yep. field. And what they do is they, they have little contests where they build robotics and then they compete against, you know, other teams. And and they have once a year they have the the global, you know, championship, the robotic challenge, you know, and um, and so it's starting from you know each country would have teams and then they would win their you know their national event. Eventually, the national, all the kind of like, you know, the Olympics, and they'd all come together for yeah. this once a year thing. And um, and so he's been doing this for a very long time. I've been paying attention to him. And, you know, he's, it, it's kind of getting to the root cause, is getting getting back to the early days, getting more, more girls and more diverse, you know, people exposed to these fields and getting hooked on it because it's such a neat thing to do. Yeah. Um, and, and I, so I, it really starts back there. And um, and it's kind of like looking at the customer experience. You know, the kids are the customer experience. And, you know, these things aren't being embraced, um, I think, as much as they should. Um, that's a problem. Um, they probably need to be more integrated with, with education programs. They're not. Um, but I think that's a great starting point there. Is, and, and, and I think that's something that needs to be talked about more. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that's that's fascinating. So, um, twenty years ago, I mean, how, how, that's the thing. If you don't know about it, it, it's very hard to promote it. And how cool is that for the for the young generation to get involved in those kind of projects? So, uh, I will be googling that, and I apologise if Dean's listening. I hope you're safe and well. But they're, they're, <laughs> I'll, I'll look offline. <laughs> um, so brilliant. Well. John, really fascinating to get your your take on that. And um, yeah, we'll be Googling, looking into that after this. So really appreciate that. Well, John, um, moving onwards, this is more of the fun side of it. So um, Tom, over to you. Cool. So we're stepping away from work for this one um, because I don't anticipate work filling your answer to this question. We'd like you to describe your perfect weekend. Perfect weekend. I wake we'll up. give you a long one. We'll give you the Friday as a public holiday, too. Okay. Uh, playing 18 holes in, in the morning, having a nice. great lunch, and playing another 18 in the afternoon. <laughs> and then the next day, do the same thing. That's my And after day. our own hearts. And, <laughs> and where are you playing? Where's your favorite course? Uh, well, I'm up in Wisconsin. I play, uh, I like Grand Geneva. It's a great, great course there. There's... Uh, um, there's lots of courses in Wisconsin. I've played Whistling Straits, uh, where Ryder Cup's going to be. Wow. Wow. Badly. It's a very tough course, especially when the wind blows. So I can't wait to see that. But uh, yeah, Wisconsin has great golf courses. And would you play off? Pardon me? Uh, would you play off? Do you have a handicap? I'm less than 10. Oh, nice. There's a player. Handy. There's a player. <laughs> 
Wow, sounds like a great weekend. And for lunch, what are you having? Oh, I'm having uh, a ribeye sandwich. <laughs> I've just had lunch. I'm hungry immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, buckle in. It's uh, Laurie's Town with some quick fire questions. Ah. Yeah, yep. So, um, well, before we sort of start, I'm going to go back to golf again, John. Um, have you managed to play in, at the home of golf in Scotland? Have you managed to play over here in the UK? I have not. I have not. And I've, uh, you know, I've worked at a lot of companies. I've had many opportunities and it just didn't happen. Um, I, I actually look forward to it. It's on my bucket list. And my, yeah. my, my, my boys are, are good golfers too. And, uh, and I look forward to taking a, a trip and we all go play those great courses. Yeah. Same well, let Andrews. me know. I definitely want to play St. Andrews. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you have to be a, a ballot to go there, but even to walk the course, it's amazing. But there's, um, there's several courses. I mean, it's the home of golf. The Lynx's courses are amazing and out of this world. So recommend you bring your, bring your boys over and we'll, we'll get you a game. So, um, yeah. We'll Excellent. So moving on. So I've got 10 questions and I'm already going to change them to, to some of the information that's come out today. Um, so... <laughs> We've always asked this. I mean, this is obviously changing as we get back to a bit of normal, normality. But from a um, sort of the last 16, 17 months, would you say you've triumphed in lockdown or have you failed in lockdown? Triumph. Good persevere. man. No matter Excellent. what you throw at you, you, you always persevere. So triumphed, I would say. Excellent. Good, good, good. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? The Florida Keys. Nice. Lots of golf courses around there as well and good weather pretty much as, yeah, I, I hear you. And a theme, John. <laughs> theme. <laughs> so um, your family will probably kill me for this, but nice family vacation or a golfing holiday with the, uh, with the boys? If you ask me when I was younger, it'd be golf, but I, I, it's family vacation for sure. Because we would definitely golf too as a family, so I win. Win-win <laughs> situation. Um, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> um, what makes you laugh the most? What makes me laugh? Uh, God, that's a great question. <laughs> I guess making fun of myself. I, you know, it's kind of self-deprecating humor. So that's what makes me laugh. The mistakes I make. Uh, <laughs> my kids making sure that I know that. Brilliant. Well. Um, Playing golf with Tom makes me laugh, but that's a different story that we can talk about. So, um, sorry, Tom, little dig there. Um, Under the bus. <laughs> uh, moving on, last movie that you watched? Gosh, I haven't watched a movie in a long time. <sighs> Even during lockdowns. No, I haven't been watching movies in lockdown. I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to pass it. I can't even remember. That tells you how much... I've been doing a lot of reading, but I have not been watching movies. I'm not there we go. Netflix. I'm not a last, user. last book. Last book you read? Uh, Multipliers by Liz oh, have... Wiseman. You're familiar with that book? No, can't say I have. Multipliers, Liz Wiseman. She talks about leadership. So, Multipliers. Right. Read it. Good book. Excellent. Excellent. Great stuff. Okay. I think we already know this, but um, what's your favorite game or sport to watch and play? Golf. Easy one. Never any doubt, is it really? Favorite player at the moment? Favorite player of the moment. Gosh. You know, I'm an old, I love Tiger Woods, and I'm so yeah. sad that I can't see Tiger. So um, he's yeah. still my favorite. I mean, you know, talk about all the all the bumps and bruises and 
yeah you know, tragedy in his life but uh i'm a big tiger woods fan yeah yeah heartbreaking i mean when he came back and, and won one of the majors recently one yeah. of the highlights and one of the greatest sporting comebacks i've, I've sort of seen and um, obviously yeah and then to see what's happened now i just pray that he can get back i mean yeah. just to playing again yeah yeah yep yeah. yeah. right here we go um now here we this one i'm looking forward to um what would you sing at a karaoke night? What is your go-to song? Oh, Lord. I used to do karaoke when I was young. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those are hard, hard questions. Yeah, try not to make it easy. No, you don't make it easy. And I'm sitting here spinning my wheels. See, as a, as a music here, this is interesting. As a musician, I don't pay attention to words. It's always the it's always the chords and the melody and all, and I was never good at the, at the words so I would struggle with I mean singing songs. It's a favorite song played with the trumpet. Oh gosh, <laughs> you're stumping me. Oh, you know I I'm uh, and this is dating myself so I'm a big uh, uh, big Maynard Ferguson and Doc Severinsen, and they, they would play some old classics with their trumpets just ripping up the scales. And, um, oh, Scheherazade. That's my favorite song with a trumpet. A great trumpet player, Maynard Ferguson, Scheherazade. There we go. We got there in the end. So um, should have got you a trumpet. You could have played, tried to play oh, it now. Um, be pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Um, one final. Um, well, I mean... Tom's already sort of spoke about it, but if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would that be? I'd grow pretty big to eat this thing. But <laughs> it'd have to be a Lou Malnati's pizza. I'm a big, big pizza fan. So Lou Malnati's pizza every day. Nice. Is that there a local go, joint? What's that? Is that a local joint, a local pizza place? It's a Chicago, you know, Chicago, known for their pizza, right? Lots of great pizza joints. They wouldn't be in business if they, they weren't good. But Lou Malnati's is kind of like a, a cut above, right? It's that customer. I think they're the, the best. So they're in a number of locations in the Chicago area. I think they're expanding to uh, nationwide, but they're mostly a Chicago pizza joint. We'll put that list on the list for when we travel there. You betcha. Tom, it's on. We'll go there. So, um, Brilliant. Well, John, I'm going to hand you over to Tom now for, for one question, one final question that we always ask to our guests. So, um, Tom, off you go. Brilliant. Like Laurie said, we asked this question religiously to every guest we've had on the podcast so far. So, what one piece of advice would you give to someone entering the industry? Yeah, so this is a piece of advice I'd give to anybody, but never underestimate. Never underestimate what you're capable of doing. Never. And always ask yourself, why not? That's my single piece of advice. Brilliant. One state, one state now, I'm sure your kids have uh, had that hammered into them for good effect. <laughs> yeah, that's a different way to hammer. But yeah, they, they, get, they get hammered a little. They're hammering <laughs> me back in the golf course. So. <laughs> yeah, they get their payback. Oh, so, yeah. uh, Brilliant. Well, John, it's been an absolute pleasure today and, and, and that's it now. So we just want to sort of thank you for your time today. Could talk for hours and hours and um, when we're allowed back in the country, me and Tom will be coming over. So let's have that pizza and um, let, let's play some golf. 
I will take you, you betcha. And I, I enjoyed it too. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been, uh, been enlightening. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe and give us a rating. It really helps these stories to be found and enjoyed by more people. For more information about NUCO, we can be found at www.neuco-group.com. You've been listening to The Tech That Connects Us.